Hi everyone, and welcome to this new episode of the Brian Schaefer Story. Together with me today, I've got Jordan. Jordan is a fellow podcast creator, and he very graciously hosted me on his pod, called On The Mind Pod, a while back, where he interviewed me about Brian Schaefer and his disappearance. So today, I've decided to bring Jordan on, because he's made an awesome impression on his fast learned knowledge about the case, and I wanted him to share his views, particularly after he has seen this newly released HLN episode about Brian Schaefer, which has brought some new attention to the case. So welcome, Jordan. Would you like to say a few words about yourself and your own podcast, perhaps? 100% yes. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for having me, Edo. It's a pleasure to be here, an honor to be here. Um, I really enjoyed the uh, conversation that we had over on my channel. Um had a lot of feedback from it, from uh, friends, family, people that have uh, viewed it. And they thought it was a really interesting episode, different to what I'd done before. Um, like, you know, we spoke mm-hmm. about before, I'm not exactly a true crime buff, but mm-hmm. you sold the case to me in a way that I just could not refuse. And it's, uh, well, the case sells itself, really, doesn't it? It's just such a fascinating mm-hmm. case, but mm-hmm. you did a really good job of packaging it for me and um, explaining it to myself and my audience as well. So, yeah, appreciate that. Oh, cheers. So... Yeah. What about yourself? You reside in the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm from the UK, sunny old England. Um, I've only been into podcasts over the last two, three, four years. Um, really, with the uh, pandemic coming coming in hard, making me realize it was kind of what I wanted to do. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I've only been uh, creating podcasts myself just over six months now. Um, and yeah, I've, uh, just, just enjoying speaking to the variety of people that I get to. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, it's just something different, isn't it? It's, uh, it's an interesting, interesting, um, hobby speaking into a microphone, uh, yeah. at length, but, uh, no, really, really enjoying it and, uh, get to speak to incredible people like yourself. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> oh. this podcast I've been on that isn't my own. So, uh, I'm excited about this as well. No, of course, like I mentioned, uh, uh, you actually almost impressed me because, uh, I was the one who was going to provide, you know, the facts about this case. Uh, but you actually filled in the gaps, like amazingly, and uh, you kept the conversation going, like in a really, in a really nice direction. And we sort of covered, you know, the majority actually of the facts and what is basically general information out there. Uh, so, uh, of course, now that we we had this. HLN episode that's been released to the public. Uh, there is more awareness about this case out there right now. So after our conversation, you had sort of an idea, an impression, and now you watched this HLN episode. So did you get some more information or did you sort of uh, visualize things differently from what you had gathered prior or would you like to share some facts about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I thought, well, you like I said, you've done such a fantastic job of explaining it to me, as it were. Um, I had a pretty solid idea of, you know, some of the, uh, well, most of the facts, I should say. I definitely, there were some new bits in there that I hadn't heard before. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main thing for me was, uh, as probably, as much as I love podcasting, the thing that 
you tend to uh, not get is the is the visuals. You know, mm. I, I seeing uh, all of the uh, family members' faces and all the uh, people involved in the case, and just getting to almost there's just there's just almost like a personal level to it when you see their faces, um, and you realise you know this is just such a distraught. It's distraught family, you know. When we're just like reading facts off of uh, web pages and listening to people talk, it's it's all very um, not robotic, but it's uh, it's all it's very factual, you know. Whereas when you're seeing when you're seeing the images of you know distraught family members and uh, uh, what was the uh, what was his girlfriend's name again? It slips my mind. Alexis Wagner. Uh, Alexis, uh, I knew it began with an A. Uh, I was going for Amanda, but. Yeah. Uh, Alexis. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah it's it was just very, very human. Um, that was what I got from the uh, the documentary, mostly just the human side of this case. And it's, yeah, it was a. Uh, it's good that they're still trying to put as much information out there because uh, you know most cases like this, I assume, you know, do just drift away into the never to be sold pile. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe this is one of them, but. Uh, it's good that they're still trying. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it's really the first one and the only one which is the major production about his disappearance. Um, and I think that we have followed the case closely. Uh, we sort of had high expectations of this episode. And mm. not only of the production and the quality and, you know, trying to give all the right facts out there, but also that it will create some attention, some more attention to to this disappearance. Uh, eventually, everyone, I think, will, will like to see this case solved. Perhaps we thought it as a, as a way in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, also because I covered the um, Chilean episode sort of in the background and I commented on, a few, on some f- few facts. But really what's interesting is... Uh, when uh, when you sort of uh, see these images of him riding up the escalator and and he's been in the bar and then he's filmed outside his bar and what can you grasp of this situation? How can can actually the society let a person go missing like this? What has happened in this case that that is so baffling? Actually, I mean he's standing right there, he's out partying, and now suddenly he's completely vanished. We haven't heard a thing in fifteen years. Did this episode help help out with with starting to getting the the viewer to grasp more what has happened to Brian Schaefer? I mean, it certainly uh, gave me more of an idea of what you know of how the how the night played out. I mean, it's still mm. that five minute period from court, uh, five minutes to two mm. to two o'clock, where wh- where what and how. What I mean, nobody knows. But uh, well, hopefully somebody does down the line. But um, it's just so so intriguing how casual how casually was Clive walking up them, uh, leaning as the escalators taking him up to uh, what appears to be his final hours potentially. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. It's really really shocking. Um, but seeing it here with all the CCTV put together and seeing uh, just how difficult it would have been i mean you've done a, like i keep saying you've done a fantastic job of explaining the situation and how um uh how unbelievably talented and skilled he would have had to have been to sneak out of that 
bar at that bar without being seen by anyone or any CCTV cameras. But mm. he did. It just did not seem in any. There was no indication that that was what was going to happen. Like not even the slightest. He just seemed as casual as anyone else on the CCTV footage. Really, it's uh, baffling. Baffling. Right. right. I think I think they made uh, a good job. You know, portraying that. This was basically a med student going out, and uh, like how the events unfolded up to the point before it just disappeared, doesn't seem to indicate that he had plans to actually leave and and uh, run away from everything. So that's that's of course one big theory in this case that Brian Schaefer just you know left everything behind and and went for it, but nothing seems to indicate that. Not not to the point at least where. He's basically standing outside uh, with these two girls, you know, uh, perhaps call it flirting. So what happens from then on then? We have a couple of answers to why he basically left uh, this area. He was standing outside his bar and then and then suddenly he's gone. But then later we found out that there was this sort of other exit. And this was the same exit that the band used when they left. And this band also had a smaller crowd with them. So uh, did any of this change in your mind after seeing the episode? Did it elevate the chance that you perhaps could see that Brian wanted to leave that night? It's hard to say, isn't it? It's really, I mean, he did contact basically, you know, anyone that he loved, he contacted that night, which would be one indication that he potentially was looking to to run away from his life almost like say his goodbyes but again that is about the only indication that i got that that could even be a possibility again there was no visual indication there was no um there was no actions that he did that night other than the phone calls that really made it seem like this was his last night in ohio it really did seem you know he arranged to meet his dad the next day you know so you can say that you know he yeah he did see his dad earlier that day but he arranged to meet him the following day. It doesn't, it doesn't, he had a holiday with, you know, an incredible girl by the looks of it. Um, to, yeah, what was it? Like a few days, wasn't it? It wasn't long. Um, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. honestly, it just kind of confused me more. I, I thought my oh, watch this did. documentary, it might give me more, uh, more indication, but it's just kind of, it really is just seeing the experts, like the detectives that worked on the case talk about this mm. in ways that like they they're still kept up at night they're still as confused as any of us are if not more um <laughs> it's oh yeah just i mean yeah man i don't know i don't know what's going on i don't know i don't think it, many people do but mm. i really really hope with the uh, documentary coming out in the way that it did and the almost please please uh for uh for any information i really hope that it does spread to the right people and somebody down the line does i mean but again if it was just brian by himself really really as unsus- as unlikely as it seems it's probably he's probably not going to is he he's he, it's maybe maybe i'm wrong i don't know but it seems like so much uh you know with his father passing as well uh, only a few years later it seems like he's running out of reasons to ever return to his life, even if, even if he ever wanted to. Um, 
Yeah, I just I just saw uh, sort of this date that uh, it's calculated how long it's been missing for. It says 15 years, nine months, and nine days. 15 years and nine months. So uh, it's a it's a long period of time. It's a long period of time, and uh, I think this uh, this HLN episode they uh, they really try to convey this mystery of this disappearance. But they weren't really that good tying the ends up and actually giving more answers. And they don't really proceed uh, exploring this idea further. They just sort of basically conclude that he went to this bar and then he went missing without trying to give any more feasible explanations. And even though the, uh, the lead detective was on, he had expressed earlier uh, that he he sort of saw uh, Brian, you know, he could have taken a way out, but they didn't elaborate anything on this. So they just really put more mystery to this case uh, mm-hmm. without actually trying to to provide more answers in one way. That is the problem with uh, television, isn't it? It's trying to uh, grab your attention as best as it can, and there's nothing to grab your attention more than a mystery of this of this. So. I mean, I can't really, can't really blame them for, and that's their job, isn't it? But at the same time, you, after all this time with this documentary coming out, I know uh, how excited you were for it. We spoke before it came out on uh, my podcast, and I remember you being very, very excited. But it, you're right; it just added to the mystery even more, which can be frustrating. You expect, you know, after all this time, maybe there's some indication, maybe they've researched it on further levels and ways that we don't have access to but not necessarily, not necessarily. But also they had this opportunity. Like uh, we know that there hasn't been so much released uh, on a TV about Brian Schaefer. So they had an opportunity to reach out to these people that, and I mean, who knows? They probably did, but we had Clint, for instance, who didn't appear they showed a small clip of Clint when he was interviewed in 2006, just 10 days after Brian vanished. Uh, but nothing more on Clint. And uh, we did get to see Alexis a little bit, but that was from a, an earlier interview recorded in 2016. And we also have Derek didn't appear on. He sort of left a message at the end, which was kind of emotional <laughs> to watch, actually. Yeah, uh, but I mean, who can blame Derek? Uh, but but anyways, we yeah we saw the private investigator. We had uh, the lead detective on, and we also had a host of a another Brian Schaefer podcast out there. So uh, yeah, I think somehow it was sort of a missed opportunity to provide this. Uh, a few more answers than we got. I mean, they did probably, this was also considering it was during the pandemic. So, I mean, some people were interviewed on distance. Um, that could have, you know, hampered a little bit. Almost certainly to would have, wouldn't it? Yeah, I didn't really consider that. Yeah, it was filmed uh, during the spring of 2021. Uh, so, yeah, basically lockdown before they, you know, started with this vaccination thing. Uh, do you think that the general public out there 
when they watch this episode then what do you think will they be more curious or will people try to find out i mean i i can only look to myself when i when i actually found out about this case that i couldn't really drop it i couldn't really stop thinking of it what what do you think people's reactions going to be out there if they're of the inquisitive nature then there's bound to bound to capture their thoughts um you know it's all you have to do is take one look and we and the lack of answers makes you hungrier for them, you know, if, and uh, that's certainly what happened with uh, myself and clearly yourself as well. So mm-hmm. anyone of that, of that sort of nature will absolutely love this case. I mean, it's about as mysterious of a case as I've ever heard of, um, especially, you know, with it being as you know, 15 years is a long time, but it's uh, still mm-hmm. in as a, uh, the amount of CCTV cameras, the amount of uh, just witnesses, the amount of people, this isn't like an ancient story that the guy went missing and there was, you know, there were no cameras watching it anyway. You know, it's, it's, it, this is as watched of an area in, in uh, central Ohio as, as there was, I believe it said in the interview, in the uh, documentary, I think it mm-hmm. said uh, there was nowhere with more uh, CCTV cameras covering a specific area than that area. Um, so hmm. it is as crazy as it could get, basically. So anyone, yeah, like I say, anyone with that inquisitive nature will be hooked. But, um, yeah, I mean, the problem is when a documentary of that uh, scale and that uh, budget, I would assume, um, can't provide answers, maybe it would it, maybe it would deter people from even looking at I don't know. I don't know. It really depends on the... Uh, the individual that are watching it, but it certainly, it certainly almost, I don't want to say annoyed me, but it did, um, it left me wanting more still. It left me wanting more. Um, I did. Yeah. 100%, 100%. Um, cause yeah, like, like you said, it was lots of, lots of opinions and lots of, um, fact reading that, uh, anyone that was familiar with the case would have not already been aware of basically. Um, hmm. So it was, yeah, it just, it was like a, uh, a neat, a neat little bow on, on the case. It was, uh, tying it up at the end almost, um, which is, I mean, if, if Brian is out there, I think the age progression photos that were done specifically for this documentary, right? Um, mm-hmm. they, yeah. they would have been, they would have been a great help 100%. Um, mm. but yeah, they looked actually, yeah, they, uh, they provided this different age progression photos than uh, the one released in, in March from uh, the Ohio State Attorney's General. Uh, they look different. Uh, definitely one, one of the pictures uh, or the sketches, he seems a lot older perhaps than he, than he is, but, but he still provides yeah. this clues, you know, how Brian Schiffer might look like today. And that's important, of course. As long as they don't find his body or they don't know what happened. Uh, there might be a chance that he's out there uh, getting the spread of this episode out there in the on US land, and but also globally, I think in the end, uh, might encourage people to uh, keep their eyes even more open. And uh, that's why it's important to, to keep this attention going on, you know, if he's out there. And, you know, people uh, have to be made aware of it. And of course, this mystery is intriguing. 
but in the end, we're talking about the real person out there in that case. Uh, but with these theories that we've had, they could have provided a more inkling towards what ultimately happened. Uh, we're not really more secure and positive on the outcome of this missing personal case. I think they perhaps narrowed the chances of this smiley face killer, which they brought up in the episode. Yes, I was going to mention that. Too. I was going to ask you about that. Um, mm. What do you what do you think uh, of that of, of, um, of that option of that potentiality of the smiley face killings being linked to Brian? Well, they are linked because this whole phenomenon of the smiley face killer was is based on college students, basically male adults, usually white. Uh, being out partying and then they're found in a usually in a body water in connection to this there is also a smiley face graffiti mm. uh, nearby so uh, the only thing we have which compares is the uh, the college student and a male adult we haven't found any body we haven't seen any graffiti we don't have a point of location of where Brian is or might be even and sometimes they speak about the smiley face killer, the smiley face killers. I mean, is it a singular or a plural serial killer? Uh, no, I don't think there is any validity to that uh, theory. And I was sort of glad to to see that the detective, uh, John Hurst, didn't uh, ride along this theory either, um, considering what he... Well, his comments about it. Um, but the, this whole phenomenon is sort of a... Yeah, sort of a internet sensationalist thing, I think. Mm-hmm. And and there are some parts which can be attributed to uh, Brian's own disappearance. But I don't think this is what ultimately happened, that a smiley face killer got him. Yeah. I mean, it would seem kind of... I mean, yeah, the the way in which he disappeared is the the more mysterious part about it. Not, unfortunately, you know, whether or not Brian was murdered after his disappearance, or whether he, you know, took his own life. What, what whatever his fate was, mm. is is not exactly the um, the crazy part about this story. Is how he got to that point. How he can go from that bar to seemingly nowhere um there was yeah it, it seems a little too it just seems crazy i mean what i don't understand uh about the smiley face killing hmm. i do um i don't know enough about the uh, case to comment whether that is uh, a legitimate theory or not um the from what you've just said and the uh, what the detective said he seemed to brush it off hmm. uh with relative ease but i'm I'm can I'm I mean it is hard to say it's hard to rule it out entirely isn't it I mean without the finding of the body it's hard to like it's hard to quantify uh you know if they are serial killings these serial uh, the smiley face killing killings um then surely you can't account for bodies that were never found if that makes sense you know there was you these smiley face killings are all linked because the body was found in a body of water with a um, with a smiley face next to it. But if a body is never found, 
Hmm. And, you know, with water being <laughs> the demon that it is, it certainly could act as a very good body uh, hider. I don't know if that's the right term. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to quantify bodies that were never found, if that makes sense. Right. But that's the common purpose of this he- uh, theory, is that you have these students which are found in a body of water mm. and next to like a smile face graffiti. So since this is not the case, uh, it's there on the list because it potentially could have happened. Mm. Uh, we don't have these facts. They don't coincide. And uh, considering that this smiley face killer phenomena isn't, it's really just an idea basically from two agents who tried to connect the dots and came up with this uh, theory that there perhaps is a smiley face killers out there. Uh, the relevance also looking into the body of water, for example, the Olentangy River, they, uh, they looked into the river, of course, while they searched for him. And, and it's kind of feasible in his uh, disappearance that he could have ended up and died in the water. That's not entirely impossible. But then they mean that uh, he would have been found. Mm. So um, as this particular theory, together with all the other theories that are out there, um, but they actually brought up the uh, these garbage containers uh, that John Hurst's only major regret was that they, before they commenced their investigation, uh, some of these garbage containers, they escaped their attention, basically. And they were shipped off to another state also in conjunction with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you pay attention to this uh, comment at the end? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was the... I mean, it was almost left as if that was basically the only option that could have happened to Brian is he somehow ended up into one of these uh, uh, garbage cans. um, Right. Which is a, again, it's hard to, it's hard to, it seems very unlikely, I guess, but who knows, really, really, it's about the only option that we have, isn't it, at this point? Um, for explaining where, where he is or how he got out unnoticed. There's, there's a hole. It's the only hole in their investigation that they could not fill. They could not check. So that's probably right. one of the things that keeps him up at night, I would assume. Those those garbage trucks. Right. Once a body's in one of them, it's uh, it's it's getting pretty, yeah, it's getting lost. You're not finding, you might find leftovers, but I don't know. I thought there was another part of it, actually, was interesting how they spoke about um, how nothing was nothing was ever found. Almost as if like they said nothing was ever found of Brian's like personal belongings he had on him that night. Right, including his phone, his wallet, any of it was never none of it was ever found. Right, and he said I remember one of the women said um, if if that had been out there, then it would have been found. And I just thought that was a strange comment because I mean absolutely. <laughs> There's absolutely that's no reason for that. It's easier to lose a wallet than it is a person. <laughs> Much easier. Yeah. They said something like, uh, no material possession of Brian Schaefer was ever found. Mm. That's the comment. It was almost intentional that his disappearance was intentional. But it, like, again, that's not, 
that's not necessarily true. I thought that was a strange way of wording it. But, I mean, I'm just picking holes now, to be honest. Well, I think it's it's more to give this uh, view or idea that uh, uh, we don't have a trace of nothing. Not of him, not of something he carried along that night. Um, perhaps it uh, you know, implies that if he was robbed, then maybe his personal belongings would have been found in another location or nearby. Mm-hmm. And this isn't the case. It's like he was transported from that place out of nowhere and completely vanished into thin air. You know, this black hole, basically. Yeah, yeah literally. He's gone. He's just out of nowhere. Yeah. It's almost science fiction, isn't it? It, does, it literally does seem as, fant- uh, as fantasy as that. But uh... It is... Uh, are we talking about the real person here? A real case. It's like a script, doesn't it? A script for a film or a TV show. It doesn't seem... Like it's uh, like it's a real case. Of course, when the investigation leads nowhere, um, you know, some some uh, people thought that maybe his own father had something to do with this, or his own family had something to do with this. So mm. then they they create this scenario with the lie detector test, yeah. and uh, you know, the father, of course, did it. I mean, voluntarily, without any issues. But then we had Clint to refuse completely. And, and well, they didn't they didn't speak too much about Clint. Yeah, I thought Clint. that was strange. I really thought that was strange that they didn't mention him as much as they did, considering he was one of the two people that would have, you know, communicated with him last, or at least last, uh, knowingly last. So, uh, yeah, it is odd. It is, it's kind of... It's weird the uh, the show in itself um, focusing on some of the things that it did and kind of just brushing away the other parts. But again, it's well, I was going to say it's to build mystery, but Clint was one of the most mysterious parts of this of this uh, case. So yeah, odd, odd. But um, hey, I'm not a TV producer, am I? No, no, we're not. But I mean, we cannot know for sure if they try to reach out to Clint. To, mm. to ask him if he wanted to participate. Uh, we don't have any you know, information about that. But well, he's refusing lie detector tests. You'd assume he's refusing TV interviews 15 years later as well. Well, you could. But, but at the same time, uh, what, what happened to Brian Schiffer then is still valid today. But with this, no one really expects... Well, I wouldn't say no one, but... I'd say Clint knew Brian and there are people out there who who's trying to, you know, solve this riddle. So why couldn't Clint even do an interview for five to 10 minutes about this disappearance and, and uh, lay out a few facts that we're not really aware of? For example, why they ultimately headed back to the Aglitona Saluna. I mean, they were there at 9 p.m. at first. It was the first bar they visited. So why did they go back there? It's part of the answer, really. Uh, and that's the whole issue with this, the planning part in this experience. If they were there at 9 p.m. and something attracted them back the second time, what was that? Was it the, the band that, that played at night because they were finished playing and Brian wanted an opportunity to, to mingle or to say hi to this 
band members. Um, he could have Clint could have jumped in and uh, filled out the facts about that. And also, yeah. you know, if Brian con- confided in him, in him that night, if Brian said something along the lines of, you know, I'm I'm getting fed up with this whole thing, you know, uh, this medical student thing, uh, and do other things, you know, he could have come out with this information. I mean, what's stopping him now, 15 years later? I mean, uh, I find it kind of confusing. I can see why Clint perhaps didn't participate in his lie detector test in the beginning. Mm. But now, so many years later, and we still don't know what happened. And yeah, I mean, the lie detector tests, there are cases of them going of going wrong and people who are telling the truth. You know, it's it's it's, it's not... It's not focusing on if you're lying or not. It's focusing on what the machine thinks your body should do if you were to lie, which is not as accurate as we would like it to be. So I can understand that. But again, you're right. If you, so if you, okay, I want to ask you if you had like the opportunity to ask Clint a question, what would it, would it be that? Would it be, what would it, what would be the first question you got to ask him? Would it be about the, uh, what happened in the, in the, in the bar? Or would it be? I mean, it's hard. It's hard because if we won't answer detectives' questions, we're not going to answer any of ours. But if you could get one truth out of him, what would it be? No, I would ask him if uh, if uh, Brian uh, confided to Clint and mentioned anything about uh, running away uh, that night or or in the future. Um, his impression about that. Because the lie detector test, I can sort of understand why Clint didn't go for it. Mm. And I've uh, and I tried to explain that. I made a separate episode about that. Um, which takes time to build. Uh, of course, if you just see it roughly, why doesn't this friend who went out with Brian, why doesn't he want to you know, provide this access of information? I mean, not, not just be there and try to look for this missing comrade but actually uh, shuts everything down to the point where you know he's get almost implicated himself he sort of turns attention to himself by doing this yeah it does uh, yeah. which is which which is weird i mean the the outcome should be trying to find brian schaefer not not uh, lowering your own risks to the point where you know you get suspected yourself which is which is crazy but somehow it's worked for him i mean all the mm-hmm. best to him but uh, guns, hasn't he? he hasn't wavered in his opinions or his uh, well he hasn't wavered in his uh, thoughts about the case he seems to be in pretty bang on with what he was saying from the get go and just been left alone since which is, uh, yeah but if you really examine the whole case and, and you look for um, you know sentences said and interviews and we have that Clint has a scenario built in his head and, and I also provided the, the fact that, okay, how could it have left him there at the bar, you know, just gone straight home or together with Meredith? But uh, it's brought up that Brian used to, you know, leave Clint behind and wander off. So this, this particular night wasn't really anything unusual for Clint to experience. It wasn't alarming enough for him to, you know, sound the alarms everywhere. Uh, so it just was business as usual, basically. So that's that's one thing that we get to know. And then the other thing, okay, so what could have possibly happened to Brian, according to Clint? So Clint mentions that uh, Brian had a propensity to run his mouth, and that 
could have caused him some problems that night. So this foul play scenario. And since they didn't, you know, unearth something in that regard or in any regard, uh, if they're going to go for a suspect, they might as well nail Clint. So, of course, then you're asked to take a lie detector test and the possibility of actually being you, you were the last person to see Brian or to hang with Brian that night. So he ultimately just uh, went for what the lawyer said to him, you know, all communications shut off and you can even, you know, move out of Columbus, which he did. And he even changed his first name. Uh, But yeah. Yeah. His, uh, his new name is William at the moment. Uh, It was Clint prior, but now it's William. Um, But no, I think why not? Why not try to give your own views? I mean, when we talk about Brian's case, I mean, Clint is up there among the top theories. Uh, either it's Clint who did something to Brian or either it's Brian who confided to Clint that he wanted to disappear. He's always up there and w- will always be until something is found about Brian Schaefer. So now he had the opportunity to actually come forward and say a few meanings just about what he thinks happened. What if Brian said something to him it makes you even more uh, suspicious about Clint. Like, yeah. because, you know, if, if, if the information Clint has uh, sort of leads back to him, like in tidy bit also, then, uh, then it's better for him not to mention anything. And that has been his stance this whole time. So hmm. uh, I'm, I don't have any grudge against Clint in that uh, regard. I just see it as this was a, a wonderful opportunity to come forward with some information. We can't be assured that uh, there will be another big production like this made about Brian Schaefer. Mm. Uh, passing your time, passing time will, uh, unfortunately, it will leave little less interest in Brian's case and more than likely new cases to cover. So uh, it'd be yeah, it, it's only going to get less coverage as time goes on. Um, and it is interesting that even after 15 years, Clint still has no uh, break in his story. No, not even he's not even telling his story anymore. He's told his piece and he's and he's, and he's dipped out. He's not. Uh, it's it is interesting that he doesn't want to clear up any suspicions. He's already. He just thinks. Well, I can't. I can't say what he thinks, but it's. Uh, it is interesting that he. Um, he's not. You know, 15 years. Mm. You think if there was anything that. If there was a reason that he could have cleared his name in, he's already got a clear name, but you know what I'm trying to say, clear his name from any suspicion. Mm. After 15 years, you would assume that he, he, he would, but nothing, nada, not a thing. It's, uh, it's, oh, again, it just adds even more confusion, doesn't it? It really does. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, just moving, moving on, there was one thing in the, um, documentary that I wasn't aware of that uh, is that has sparked my curiosity and that was um, how uh, Brian's flat was burgled uh, mm. a, few, a few months after his disappearance mm. which would indicate I'm not they, I don't remember the uh, if the uh, documentary specifically mentioned what was taken I don't know if you know 
Yeah, there were uh, uh, there was a TV and a few DVDs missing from his apartment. Mm, okay. Uh, they um, when they found out that his place had been burglarized, they uh, actually called Alexis. So she headed over there in the middle of the night to to see what you know what had gone on and if if there were things missing. And she could only count that there were like a TV and DVDs. And for, for example, uh, Brian had some valuable guitars in his apartment and they were still there. That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, that's... Mm, okay. I The theories that were going through my head was potentially mm. Brian or maybe even Clint doing it themselves in order to gain... Uh, to get back some, some um, valuables that they that he personally wanted himself. Hmm. But, and even just a random burglary. Maybe they don't know anything about music. Maybe they didn't realize how much the guitars were worth. But would you think if it was a, a not just a random burglary, but I assume his, Brian would have been all throughout the news. It would have been obvious that people would have known that he'd have gone missing. His flat was more than likely empty. That there would have been stuff in there to take. So it's not completely out there. It's mm. completely random, but mm. it's strange that I need the TV and DVD. Why would you take DVDs over guitars? There isn't a DVD on earth that's worth more than any guitar. <laughs> uh, in this case, you don't have that many answers, but you have this small and tiny weird shit going on. Uh, for, for, yeah, for example, that his place was burglarized like a month after he went missing, but they aired actually this uh, NBC episode. Uh, they conducted some interviews with his nearest relatives, and they aired that uh, the weekend prior. So there is some suggestion that you know these burglars they they got this information that his apartment might have been empty. No, the ultimate thing that settles it for me is that uh, at the same instance you had other places burglarized as well in the same you know in the same area okay. the adjacent apartments were also breaked into oh, i didn't know that that's mm. there you go yeah another dead yeah. end yeah you would have thought hey, another dead end in this mystery <laughs> would have thought <laughs> yeah exactly We've had enough of them already wow oh, well but there was mention of this uh, check what did you make of it uh, actually commented on yeah. this but it was a uh, a check handed out to Brian from his father for the amount of four thousand five hundred dollars that would have in, correct. Yeah, it was never cashed in. It would have allowed him to continue his studies, and he he didn't cash it in. That's interesting. One hundred percent. I mean, he, it does seem almost as if like he didn't. Yeah, like you say, like he didn't. There was no plan to continue his studies. It would seem. If he was going to disappear, it would be a bit of a kick in the balls to steal, well, not steal, but take four and a half thousand off your off your old man before you disappear. That would be, yeah, I, that, would, that would be one reason to indicate that maybe it was intentional. But then again, it could, if it could have just been he was going to do it at a later date. It, it, yeah. There's no, yeah, there's no guarantee that that means anything either. Which, oh. yeah, but four and a half grand for a struggling medical student if you, you, know, you would assume if that the day that came through the post if that was me I'd be down the bank quicker than you could if it was a Sunday I'd be banging on the door asking him to let me in 
I would be. There's no, yeah, that, that check will be getting cashed as soon as possible. But again, there's no, there's no concrete evidence that that really means too much. But I think this uh, check was issued to the university itself. So the only way to cash it in was to hand it over to the university, to, you know, um, to pay for his fees. You know, he couldn't just withdraw four thousand five hundred dollars and put them in his pockets. Basically, he, they had to go towards the studies. Mm. Um, Which, yeah, would really look like he had no intention of carrying on with it. But again, like, yeah, he could have just been doing that at a later date. When was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was March that he received the check, right? And yeah, right. Beginning of March, I think. Yeah. Was that for the next um, term, next semester, or was it for the next year? Yeah, it was to continue the studies after spring break holiday when he came back. Oh, so, okay. Okay. I, I, I think the the regular way to go is that they, they sort of remind you, you know, you haven't paid the fees. You should do it now. Uh, they don't just kick you out from the studies the same day. Yeah, I mean, man, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of... um. There's a few reasons knocking around for him not to leave, and a few reasons for him to leave. It's and then it's just it's just the, the how do you get around that many cameras, that many people? Mm. That's the thing. Whether you whether it's foul play or uh, or just completely of your own intuition, there's no way of getting around that many cameras, that many people, completely unseen. It's it's so confusing still no matter how many conversations I had no matter how many uh, videos I watch no matter how many documentaries articles I read I'm sure you're the same it's just there's no inclination no inclination do you um, after watching this documentary then specifically after however much you've looked into it over the last few years does it did it leave you with anything any um, any new thoughts that you hadn't already uh, had prior no, not really. I'm I'm really content with the situation that uh, we have a a major episode out there about this case, and also that that my own story about Brian Schaefer is sort of follows the same path as this episode. I've uh, I have the same facts they provided basically. Um, I also elaborate a little bit more on some of the details. Uh, but of course, the uh, this episode didn't try to explain they just put it out there and then they sort of ended the episode <laughs> yeah like the lead detective he, he mentions that Brian is seen entering he's not seen leaving uh, they looked for him couldn't find him and then doesn't add you know anything more to it it just states that fact uh, who's going to provide some answers if not the lead detective I mean, he's worked his case for 13 years. Basically said that he thinks of Brian every day. And if he doesn't know, if he feels confused, how should we all else be out here in the public? I mean, in connection to this uh, sketch release in March, they interviewed John Hurst, the former lead detective. And they asked him, you know what? What are the chances that, that Brian is out there and alive? And well, it's like twenty five percent chances he's out there alive and 
about the same equal percentage that he's dead. And then even the reporter asked, you know, she wondered, okay, so what happened to the remaining 50%? So it's sort of flabbergasting that even the, the person who knows most about the case is still so confused up to this day. And, uh, and the only thing that you can do past that point without, you know, criticizing the investigation, because I think personally that they did uh, a good job. Uh, also quite fast. Uh, they did. And, and the this investigation, um, Columbus had ever had at that point, right? Yeah, and actually mentioned this. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the largest cases in uh, in Ohio history, actually. Mm-hmm. Even even surpassing you know homicides cases and stuff. So they had about at one point they had about 100 officers participating in the searches for Brian and his whereabouts. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a big effort uh, oh, because a lot of hours. Yeah, a lot of man hours to to try to find to find out what happened. If you put it into perspective, I've covered other cases as well. And I was going to counter that that if you if you sort of accept that this was a a proper investigation, uh then perhaps the next best thing that you can do is to try to look at other disappearances, solved and unsolved, to try to get some hints. Of what might have happened, and so that's that's been my sort of smaller mission in this is that I found some other cases where people have vanished like this, and mm. uh, and it's not always about you know having another pair of eyes causing any any harm to these people, but it's usually very unfortunate circumstances that's uh, created this situation and and it has to do with the environment a lot of times um, foul play in all glory but uh, uh, the Ohio Police Department has come out saying pretty loudly that uh, they haven't found any evidence of foul play in Brian Schaefer's case and uh, you have other aspects in this. I mean, how can you even start to investigate something if you crimes today are solved by, for example, profiling, uh, which interacts with the, the crime scene and you find a body and you do an autopsy and you have some witnesses. In this case, you have nothing. You have nothing to go on. <laughs> Where do you even start? Where would you even start? It's a miracle that they've even had the level of investigation that they did. Yeah, it is. And and uh, sure, you could have replaced the formerly detective with someone else, but uh, the unit that they were in, uh, I mean, they weren't homicide detectives uh, because it wasn't about a homicide. Uh, it was about the missing person and they kept it that way. Uh, you're not aiming for trying to nail someone, but you're trying to discover anything, basically. And uh, but then they also, you know, brought the FBI in, and 
they let them do this analysis of the case and they ultimately placed Brian Schaefer on a on something they call the backup list. I don't know if you heard about this. The backup list. Uh, no, it's called the VICAP list. How would you spell that? V-I-C-A-P. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever heard of this, to be honest. VICAP means the Violent Criminal Apprehension Program. Mm, that's interesting that they've considered it a violent crime when there's no evidence of any crime. Right. Right. It was uh, It was actually put out there on this list. Uh, by the FBI, at least, and you know, I've theorized about this before, also in my episodes. But uh, I can only see it as a sort of basically a receipt that they were brought along during this investigation. Um, and who knows? They might think that something violent took place, a violent crime took place. Wow! I mean, I'm uh, sure. So there's hundreds and hundreds if you go through them all. I mean, I, I'm curious about how many uh, missing persons there are in the in the United States. That, uh, <sighs> oh, there are a lot, a lot. But, uh, but in connection to Brian's case, I mean, uh, they keep saying that, you know, it's the mystery behind it that gives it more attention. Mm. Uh, the other people placed on this vacuum list are, they have basically an inkling that something violent took place, but not with Brian and not with uh, Brandon Swanson. So, 17,000 people missing and 13,000 unidentified body cases remained open in the United States. That's a that's a lot. That is a lot. lot. Yeah, it is. Be right. Is the uh, the the complete lack of evidence or lack of any um, lack of lack of any uh, theories really as to what could have went wrong in um, Brian's case, particularly? I don't know a lot about Brandon's, but mm. uh, yeah, that's oh God. It's just the worst possible thing you can imagine, isn't it? There's nothing, you know, especially for a family. You don't want anyone you love to succumb to any harm or go, or you know, in any way, shape, or form, or any sort of kidnapping or anything. But then, the worst case scenario when that, if that is to happen, is to have no closure, no. No answer, not even a hint of what happened. Mm. It's, yeah, it would drive you mental, wouldn't it? It would just drive you absolutely crazy. Yeah. Uh, about Brian's case, we have all these theories. And, I mean, you cannot go for one theory completely. You have all these holes in them, in whatever theory you, you're trying to assess, you know, for what happened. Uh, but at the same time, you can't ponder all these various outcomes out there all the time because then you get sort of confused and tired of it all. It doesn't lead you anywhere either. So to keep, like, I feel if you have this wish to ultimately find out what happened, uh, you have to sort of stay a little bit more on one of the tracks than to, you know, venture off and... Uh, so I have a hard time actually getting him out from that building. I come to the point where I I understand why he might have exited the foyer and, you know, started to head towards the back. But 
I have a hard time actually just putting him out there and uh, doing his regular stuff and then suddenly he just goes missing without anyone seeing anything or you know we could have gotten a, a picture of Brian outside or an image or a, a comment or a witness seeing him or talking to him or but everything st- stopped short of basically 2am that's when the phone is also turned off from his part so that's the thing isn't it like well there's there's some intention by somebody i mean i I mean the phone could have died i suppose a battery but um again that would be a bit of a coincidence this if somebody did turn that phone off whether it be brian or somebody else it's just it's oh I don't think we're ever going to know, Edwin. I don't think we'll ever. It's one of those ones, in, if especially, well, we'll definitely, definitely never know if if the, if it was just Brian, more than likely. If it, if there was somebody else, then maybe, maybe one day somebody comes forward, somebody, something comes forward. But it relies on the goodwill of a bad person, potentially. So <laughs> that's a, a true. Not, hold, not holding my breath. We can sort of grasp the the situation that there was an intention from Brian's part to uh, to leave that area mysteriously, and uh, who knows to get rid of Clint or you know to ditch him like he had done prior. Uh, but I don't necessarily see it as the intention was to disappear completely from the face of the earth. But of course, I can see that since he turned off his phone and and left the way he did. They weren't expecting this. You can clearly understand this because they looked for him in the bar and they waited for him outside. Uh, Brian didn't mention anything to Clint and Meredith that he was going to behave in this way. So he absolutely that is voluntary that he left. But was it voluntary to sneak out and leave everything behind? And why wasn't he seen? It doesn't make sense that he was trying to avoid the the other CCTV cameras. He was standing on that foyer just a minutes prior of him disappearing. He was being filmed. If he would have wanted to sneak out completely, then he should have just exited in that way without standing on the on the foyer and getting recorded just a minute prior of him actually vanishing. Yeah, man. It really, really doesn't. It's, he, did, it would, he would have had to have such a... Um, in-depth knowledge of the CCTV camera system there in order to get around it and it yeah. all the other actions where he is seen on the cameras does not look in any way shape or form like he does have that knowledge or he's even trying to um, stay clear of them it's, oh, it's it, yeah it's just God, we could have we could we could talk about this for days and days, couldn't we? Just how how unbelievably uh, mysterious and cold this seems to be. But uh, but you actually mentioned one thing uh, which was interesting on your pod when you interviewed me, and you said that, that uh, even though I was trying to you know figure out the the gateway building layout and all these exits that were there and uh, trying to understand this part. We haven't really grasped 
this content that well and how could a, a basically a drunken guy in the middle of the night try to sneak out in this way uh, without being seen you know and done this voluntarily oh, right to do it all by yourself as well well to seemingly do it by yourself it would yeah it just requires so much unbelievable um previous knowledge Mm. That he didn't yeah. seem to have. I don't know. It's. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I just hope something comes to light in the uh, in the future, man. I really, really do. Yeah, yeah. And if not, uh, uh, we'll keep struggling. <laughs> yes, yes, we will. <laughs> we will. Yeah. There's plenty, plenty of uh, missing people out there, and they they all need findings. I mean, it's not just Brian. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy how anyone, even with evidence of that they have definitely disappeared, can just disappear off the face of the earth just like that. That's kind of why, I mean, I suppose that's why this case is so endearing to so many people. Is it? Just, he was doing nothing, it, he, well, from everything we could tell from this case, he was doing nothing malicious that night. He was doing nothing to cause anyone any harm. And now he's gone. And, no, and it could have been any of us. It could be any of us in the future. You know, if it's that simple, if it can happen as easy as that, that's probably why. That's one of the reasons I find it so endearing. I assume most people, other other people that are captivated, captivated by the case, share the same um, share, share the same vulnerability where they, they're aware that it could have been anyone. It could be anyone they know. It could be their family members. You know, it's. Let's yeah. let's hope it, it, I would not wish this on absolutely anyone. It's probably about as bad as it could get for that family and anyone that knew Brian and anyone else that has gone missing in a similar way. The lack of answers is just something I could not wish on anyone ever. It's just no. With those wise words, uh, Jordan, uh, thank you so much for your contribution and being in this episode. And I think the people will find it very interesting to hear your views on this. It'll be interesting to hear yours as well. I mean, you've done a great job of putting this all together, to be honest. It's, uh, I won't give in so easily. Uh, I'm kind of loyal, so and yeah. nostalgic. So I don't mind going back to this case until you know we have some more answers. I mean, that's that's basically the aim here to uh, you know try to provide some more answers um, hopefully we'll meet again in the future Jordan oh of course we will 100% yeah Definitely. I look yeah. forward to it we had a 45 minute conversation before this podcast even started it could have been a podcast by itself I mean 100% we'll at least talk again no doubt cool so thanks a million times I'll see yeah. you again you too mate you too bye bye <laughs>